Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast. My name is Logan Rosengard. With me on the call, as always, we've got Noah Foster. We've got Rob Serafian. It's an early recording for us, per Noah's request. So, Noah, I'm going to start with you. How are you doing today? I am very excited. I have my last AP exam today, and then I am free as a bird from those. So, I'm excited to do some early morning-ish in comparison to our last shows. Early morning hockey talk with the two of you guys. Yeah, should, should be some good, should be uh, some interesting conversations had today. Rafi, eh, it's a little early for you, even though you're an early riser. How are you doing? I'm exhausted. I went to bed at like 12 last night. I couldn't go to bed and I'm really tired. And if I can't talk at four o'clock after working out and being awake for eight hours, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this show. But the show must go on, so we'll see what happens. The show must indeed go on. A little news, uh, you know, a little news happened between our last show Tuesday. We do apologize for the lack of a show on Friday last week. Some personal things got in the way. Needless to say, my basement is fully painted, and I do not have to worry about that for a while. Uh, My uh, my desk is back in order. uh, The order to my kingdom has been restored. Needless to say, we got a lot to talk about today. Noah, run us down the list. So we got, Logan, as you said, we got a lot of housekeeping to go over. There's been quite a bit that's happened in this past week, thankfully. Uh, And then if we get past all of the housekeeping in a reasonable manner, which we will certainly not be rushing through. But if we do, we will be going through each of our early hockey memories. Not necessarily our first, but just hockey memories from when we were little kid players watching otherwise so that should be fun and reminisce and in our glory days <laughs> as a uh, players and as at the height of the uh blackhawks yep all right i think uh real quick let's just get this uh european signing out of the way senators forward michael bodker uh he is going to be a free agent this summer has signed with Lugano of the Swiss League. Uh, the Swiss League team has basically told him uh, if you need to, if there are games you need to play to finish the remainder of the season, we will uh, allow you to do that before you got to come over here and report to our team on our terms, which is always good, despite the fact that the league is ever getting closer to um, having a 24, 20, 22, whatever it happens to be, right into some sort of playoff format instead of finishing the regular season. So that's news on uh, Michael Bodker. That's about as relevant as his name is ever going to be in the next five seasons. In other news in the Eastern Conference, Max Domi wants to stay in Montreal. And if I was Max Domi, I would want to stay with Montreal too. They got a good young nucleus coming around. Uh, You know, coaches. uh, Who's the coach? Not Mark Bergerman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark Bergman, Claude Julian. Claude, Claude Julian is the head coach. The, uh, GM. GM, thank you. Claude Julian, they got young players coming up. Uh, Carey Price is kind of on the way out, but they got their uh, young kid. What's his name? I'm terrible with names today. This is this is awful. Uh, whatever the kid's name is. Uh, Lindren? Not Lindren. There's the other kid. What are we talking about? Offense, goalie. defense. Goalie? Dem- no, Lindren's Demko? the backup. De- Demko? Demko. Demko is no, Vancouver. Demchenko. Oh, Primo. Primo. Thank you. Caden Primo. Yes. Uh, Caden Primo is coming up. He's going to be a flashing star 
in the Eastern Conference, especially for a Montreal Canadiens team that desperately needs some sort of goalie stability that's name is not Carey Price. Not that he's bad, though. Not that he's bad, but he's not great. I, I wouldn't consider him he could as, be better. as great as he, he could be playing he could a bit be better. better. Yep. Yeah. But okay. uh, Domi staying in Montreal, it looks like that seems to be the direction he wants to go. If you were, uh, if you were management in Montreal, Rafi, how would you uh, handle? How would you handle dealing with uh, Domi? Well, I obviously think that first off, the fact that he wants to come back is really good. He is a restricted free agent, so there's no rush to really re-sign him. But then again, there's really no one that they have to re-sign this year. That's a gaping UFA. Their only UFAs this year are Dale Weiss, Christian Folan. And then you have Keith Kincaid, who was buried. So you don't really need to worry about anything. They have $21 million in cap space. So if I'm looking at this, I have Tatar and Gallagher who need deals, as well as Philip Deneau and Joel Armia in the following season, and Joel Petri. So mm-hmm. I'd be looking to lock up Domi for another three, four years, probably give him around five and a half, six million dollars $6 million. He showed some pretty good flashes this year, finally, after getting traded from Arizona. So... I would give him a definite five and a half, six million dollar deal for probably either three to four years. Yep. And just to take a quick look at the Montreal Canadiens uh, kind of uh, outlook, you're right. They really only have like one other guy that they should try and lock up in uh, in Max Domi. Like that's really their only guy. Dale Weiss is a depth forward who's replaceable, and Charles Houdon. Is a uh, he's not really even playing. He's just on the system, really. Uh, needless to say, the, the Montreal Canadiens are kind of in a good spot in terms of cap. Like you said, they got twenty million plus in cap space, as well as uh, three second round picks in, in this year's draft, which can really bolster them and use it to potentially move up to have a second pick in the first round. Especially considering they are a lottery team this year. Moving on from Montreal, let's look at some a couple other sports. Sports are finally starting to come back. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers of the National Basketball Association, the NBA, have reopened practice facilities over the weekend. Uh, and the German Bundesliga Soccer League has finally returned. I say finally like I've been waiting for it. I just, wa- I just want sports. NASCAR made a return. UFC has been uh, happening in Florida. Needless to say, live sports are coming back. Golf has been being played on the uh, Golf Channel for anyone that cares to flip that channel on now of all times. But sports are finally starting to come back. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I see. You have the NFL practice facilities Thank opening you. as well for the Jaguars, too, down in Florida. And a few other teams are looking to, to doing that in the coming weeks as well. Needless to say... The NHL and the NBA, as well as the NBA, as well as the MLB, pardon me, are on track to play their seasons and finish their seasons over the summer, most likely. Canada and the United States are keeping their border closed for non-essential travel for 30 more days. That's just kind of a solidifier that if there's going to be a hub city, it will probably more likely be in the United States than it will be in Canada, although Edmonton's rink is probably considered one of the nicest rinks and facilities in the entire league. Only time will tell. Rafi, 
I know you're a big fan of uh, our friend in New Jersey, P.K. Subban. Why don't you uh, give us a little rundown on what he said recently? Yeah, so as we all know, P.K. Subban, especially this season and kind of last season, has kind of fallen off a bit. He hasn't really found his stride. I have conspiracy theories, but we already got into that, so I'm just going to cover what he just said. A few days ago, according to Sportsnet or TSN, who was reporting, P.K. Subban claimed that he's still a top defenseman in the league. Boys, I'm kind of iffy on this. I, I mean, for, for the amount of heat that I give him, like, he's not a terrible defenseman. Like, I'd want him on my team, but oh, yeah. he's just not playing up to the contract right now, I feel like. I think that's, like, the big reason why people are really harping on him right now. Is I he, think – go for it, Noah. Is he a good defenseman? Maybe that's debatable. Is he a serviceable defenseman? Yes. Is he one of the top defensemen in the league? you got to be out of your mind to believe that. There's just no way he's a top defenseman in the league. Maybe when he was I, playing on Montreal. Maybe. I wouldn't consider him a top defenseman, at least by this season's standards. No. But I, I, if I needed to rely on a defenseman, I would go for P.K. Subban. Like, he, he's a reliable guy. He's a very passionate person when it comes to the game. He knows the game pretty well. He, he, he's got great vision for the ice. He has fallen off offensively. His point totals are not nearly where they were a couple seasons ago, uh, especially right before the trade uh, for Shea Weber uh, sending him to Nashville. However, for himself to call himself a top uh, defenseman in the league, that's just like, you know, typical – professional athlete antics like you have to consider you have to call yourself one of the best if you want to you know have any sort of progress forward and I P.K. Subban's one of those guys that's very outspoken he's a very vocal voice in ho- in hockey he's a you know he's a talking point uh, with a lot of things surrounding the game including his play and I you know if this is something that he needs to do in order to keep himself motivated on the grind to make a true comeback towards the end of the season, towards, uh, you know, towards next season. And by all means, that's what he's going to do. Yeah. And it was a very, I'd say for the most part, it was a very low risk, high reward type deal that the Devils did with the Predators come last June or July. It was one of the two months, but yeah. regardless of the off season, it was very low risk, high reward. I remember the Devils gave up Santini, who was a defenseman, who was like 23, 24, who was like a top six guy potential wise. And they gave up another depth forward. And then they gave up, I believe, two second-round picks. One from this year, and I believe one from either last year and the year after this year. So the value for a guy like P.K. Suman was heavily skewed to the Devils winning the trade. And when I look at his contract, too, it's not a – like the $9 million compared to how he's playing this season is does not look good. He's playing like a $4 million, $5 million defenseman. Right. But he only has two years left after – this season, so, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. I look at the rest of the Devils, and you have Zajac, Palmieri, and Gusev all on expiring deals, but that's a year before P.K. Subban's contract expires. So if, you, if you're like the Ottawa Senators and you're looking to make a playoff push in a few years, and you, would, you see P.K. Subban as, oh, he's not playing too well, but he still would be solid to put alongside Tomas Shabbat, and we have the cap space, you might as well take him for a year and just see what happens. So if I'm the Devils, I'm not too worried about the contract, but I would like to see some more point totals or some better defense from him next season and going forward. Yep, I agree. 
I want to take a look at uh, one thing. This was released today. Akim Aliu, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, played in the NHL. He was the player that surrounded the Bill Peters scandal uh, from this season where he got fired for uh, saying some very, very not okay things. For the record, him. Bill Peters said yeah. the stuff towards Akim. Yes. Akim. Yes. Just um, towards Akeem. Yeah. 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 Not, not, yeah. I, I don't know how that could have been misinterpreted unless I said something, unless I said Bill Peters said it to yeah. a random person. Just, just wanted to make it. Yeah. Sure. For our um, viewers. For those of you who have no idea who I'm talking about, Akeem Elia was an African-American player in the NHL. He played in Chicago system. He played in Calgary, Calgary system as well. And he is one of the players in recent years surrounding this, uh, for, for, for lack of a better term, this uh, uh, insensitivity awareness across the league, I guess is the best way that I can put it. He released an article in the Players' Tribune today titled, Hockey is Not for Everyone. This is an obvious play on words to uh, the NHL's initiative, Hockey is for Everyone. He even talks about how he thinks that the the name of the initiative and the initiative itself is kind of a joke. Boys, it's an awful thing to see that in in the game that we love, in the game that we've grown up with, in the game that the three of us, as well as countless other people across the country, across the world, have depended on, have rallied behind, you know, in times of need, uh, you know, uh, rally behind storylines like the Layla Anderson story last year, the Blackhawks winning their first cup in 2010 in 60-some-odd years. What are your thoughts on, you know, this? It, I don't want to call it a hit piece, but it definitely uncovers things about the league that the common fan, the common NHL reporter doesn't talk about. It's definitely something that you really don't like talking about, right? Especially in all sports. <clears throat> excuse me, not just the NHL. You talk about things like, oh, the players are like the players are good, the players are bad, coaches are good, coaches are bad. You don't want to talk you don't want to be talking about racism and like abuse <clears throat> in the NHL or in any sport. You want to be talking about the plays, you want to be talking about the teams, players, coaches, whatever, referees even. So you don't want to be talking about something like this. So when it does come up, like the Bill Peter scandal, it's it's really um, kind of a, a shocking reminder of this still does exist. These are just like still real people. And unfortunately, uh, real people have – some people have strong opinions um, on how the race of others – on how they view um, others of a different race. So mm-hmm. it, it's really kind of sad to see. Like you almost think of sports as like a haven, safe haven from like the outside world where all these guys are like guys to look up to and everything. Even something like the last dance, like Michael Jordan said, like he's like, if if you don't want to look up to me, then like don't, because I'm not a perfect person. So it it's, it is a a harsh reminder that not everyone is perfect in the sports world, like we would like to believe they are. I think there's one thing that, especially the uh, you know the whole the entire story around Nakim Aliu's time in juniors, time in the AHL with Bill Peters uh, in Rockford. Um, I think it I think it brings up something that not a lot of people talk about that hockey for lack of a better term is a very very let me let me digress for a second you look at basketball 
you look at soccer, you even look at football. It really doesn't take that much for a person to play those three sports. Regardless of whether they're good or not, just pick up a ball, throw it. Pick up a ball and put it in a basket. Pick up a ball and kick it between two cans. They are sports that are easily accessible for everyone. And that's why we see, compared to hockey at least, a lot more diversity when it comes to seeing a lot of persons of color in those sports. However, it it, it brings up something in hockey. You d- you do not see a lot of diversity in hockey. You see a lot of nationalities. You do not see a lot of color diversity in hockey, which is what I think this article, this is one of the things that the article brings up and puts it under a bright, bright light. Whether or not the the, um, article offers a solution to that is different because it really doesn't offer a solution to, you know, properly address the um, color barrier in hockey, despite the, uh, Kimiliu does mention a Rooney rule where the NFL uh, requires teams to uh, interview and look for minority candidates in front office jobs. And he suggested that's for the NHL, which I don't think is a bad thing, but it, it, it shows, it shows that the, the league, the league's a very white league. Like you tell me more than, uh, can you name me a, an African-American player, or player of color, other than PK and Malcolm Subban, Wayne Simmons, Akimaliu now and you know maybe Joel Ward and anyone else that may have had some sort of uh, playoff ties. Can you? Well, no. I mean, you have Condre Miller, who's a exactly. prospect for the Rangers, he's, but he's yeah, a highly talented. To make your point, yes. To make your point, yeah, yes. But I, even, I think, yeah. but even really, we only even the casual hockey fan, like we know his name because we are invested in prospects and watch them develop. But even the casual hockey fan would only know his name because of the horrible things that happened to him on the live stream. Yeah, and, and that was news too. It, it exactly, like yeah, news. And and that stuff is really terrible. And going back to what you were saying, Logan, about how like with the NFL, like saying like you have to interview at least one person, or this problem of diversity. I feel like it's really hard to enforce something where you have to interview like this many people, or if they're like you need to have one player of this race or something or diverse, different diversity from the rest of your team. Or have like this percentage of your team be this diversity, because, in my opinion, and I don't want this to be misinterpreted in any way, but you, from a business standpoint and from a team standpoint, you're looking for the best possible fit for your team. So I, I think that we do need to get more people of different races, different backgrounds to start playing hockey from a young age and showing them, hey, this is a good sport. You're gonna make so many friends. You're gonna have your teammates are gonna be your biggest supporter. It's going to be one big family. But in this situation right now, it's hard to really say you like for the NHL to enforce or Gary Batman to enforce like, hey, you need to interview at least one person of this race because or at high or getting a bonus for hiring someone of a different race, because that's more of the mo- that that's just trying to get more money from the team. That's not really like choosing which person is better for your organization. I feel like that's kind of something that's been overlooked per se in my opinion yeah, I, I think it i think it is difficult you're right to say like i'm gonna force you to hire a a worse coach um just because they're um of a different skin color 
Like I'm. Well, that, I, that, that's not that's, that's not what the what the Rooney rules even suggesting. It just, no, it, I'm it, just it, saying because yeah. NHL NFL was talking about that now and that you get a bonus. Yeah, yeah. And the now, Rooney rule. The, this, so this is it. what uh, the, I'm quoting the article right here in the Players Tribune. If you haven't read it, go ahead and read it. It's a fantastic article. It's a fantastic read. Like I said, whether or not you agree with him, it does you know shine light on a couple things around what I call hockey culture that uh, not a lot of people talk about on a daily basis. But what we can't, this, again, this is quoting the article in the Players' Tribune, but what we can do is promote diversity. I believe that the NHL should adopt something like the Rooney Rule, which requires NFL teams to interview minorities for head coaching and senior football operation positions. That doesn't mean they have to hire them. No, I'm just, saying, that, I'm just saying that because the NFL a few days ago announced that they would be giving money or giving more money to the teams that hired or had people of a different background and stuff if that's what that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying i'm just reporting to you guys what happens yeah if that's what it takes for leagues to to start you know breaking the diversity barrier in especially in the nfl where if you look at the owners if you look at the front offices if you look at head coaches it's very predominantly white um if, if if paying teams for the time being is what it takes to get the diversity barrier broken that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do to bridge the gap. And if that's what the NHL has to do in order to start, you know, uh, breaking down the barriers we see that uh, Akim's talking about, that the um, Hockey is for Everyone initiative is trying to address, then that's what it's going to have to be. I, 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 I still think that it needs to happen from a lower standpoint when you go down to, like, junior teams, when you go to A, young teams – uh, Timbit teams like you need. It does start. You, I think you need to start getting more people of different minorities, different cultures, it, like involved. I feel like it's like at this point, it's hard to change what's at the top necessarily. Like you can do stuff. I'm not saying don't change anything at the top, right? But like I feel like we need more people from the bottom, like coming up, rather like the NHL, like taking the initiative to go to different communities, go to different cultures, and show their game. Like have I don't know, bring him, bring um, Akeem or bring P.K. Subban to a more diverse population in Canada and just have him play hockey with them, those kids. inspire, Have him inspire those kids to think. Like we've seen in articles too of like P.K. Subban, Wayne Simmons, like guys who have like shown like if a kid when they're little is like facing this, these kind of situations, like how they are like supporting them, how they like bring them to games, like sign jerseys, sign their sticks. Like do so much for them. So this is exactly this kind of similar sentiment to what uh, Akim's talking about in the article too. You can't really change much at the top. You cannot really change much in the OHL and the major junior leagues. You can't really change much in professional hockey because that is, you know, those guys have been around in the system. They're already part of what Akim calls the machine, the hockey machine that that's been running forever and ever and ever. What you can do is change it at the lower levels at youth before they get it, before they're, you know, uh, fully in this, fully in that machine. Uh, it, it starts with USA hockey. It starts with hockey. Canada is what he's saying. And I, I agree with him. I don't think there's any way around it. You've got to start now. If you want to see change in 10 years, you have to start now so that in 10 years, the players that are young and playing now and will be in the league, breaking into the league in 10 years, don't have that same, uh, you know, complex of ideology, complex of, you know, tolerance or intolerance to certain things. His, uh, his generation 
has has fueled and started the change. His generation will not be the one that really like develops and creates the change. It all starts as you were saying, and as he was saying, and as I've been preaching, it starts with the youth. You need the youth to be more involved. You need to get the youth on board. So then in 10 to 15 years, 20 years, you see diversity levels going up. You see more minority coaches coaching. You see more involvement from different cultures. You see the more diverse NHL. And there's no better time to start than now. We get more people. Once this pandemic is over, we just get more people, more kids involved. As long as we just keep building that through, by the time we're all like in our 50s, making making millions of dollars because this podcast blows up, <laughs> we'll be yep. looking at the NHL and saying, wow, what a, what a time that how much time has passed and look how much progress they've made in this specific thing. And I think we're going to see that one day. But as I said, it starts with the youth. It really does. I think the one last comment before we move on, because I think we've talked a lot about this, but I think that once you get um, more players of color into the NHL, it becomes a snowball effect, right? Because um, younger kids will see they have people to look up to, right? Like they have people like them to look up to. And that will encourage, if they're into hockey, that'll encourage them to start playing. I don't think any kids five years old with his mini stick saying, I want to be an NHL GM. I don't think there are kids saying that. But as you get more involved in the sport of hockey, Maybe you play for a little bit, maybe you don't, but you want to be in the business side of things. And that grows both the, that can diversify both the front office as these kid, kids age and players on the ice. So I think and, it's a, a snowball effect once you get like a, a larger portion of the NHL uh, and more di- diversified. And, and one last comment too. We look at in history, we look at the MLB's history, we look at the NFL, we look at the NBA. All these sports, what they had in common were they had back in like the 40s, the 30s, they were predominantly white. They were almost all white uh, organizations, for example, or sports organizations. And as time went on, we saw the Jackie Robinsons. We saw the Jim Browns. We saw those people breaking the barrier and inspiring those kids. We need that in the NHL right now. That's what we need right now to build. And until I think Akeem is a big bright spot in this whole thing i think that if pk Subban and wayne simmons what they're doing now they're proving that they can be like the jackie robinsons of this era right now and pushing nhl into a more diverse future exactly yeah i think that about covers it uh like i said if you have not read the article it is on the players tribune uh Hockey is not for everyone. Again, blatant shot at the Hockey is for Everyone movement. Let's move on to our uh, main bit of the show. Early hockey memories. We were so little at some point in our lives. We didn't just grow up. We weren't just born out of, out of thin air thinking, we love hockey. Yes, we do. We love hockey. How about you? Right when we were born. There are things and there are memories, there are moments that got us to love the game as much as we do today. Noah, why don't you talk to us about one of those moments for you? So, as you guys may or may not know, I was a player at one point in my life. I know, hard to believe. I was a player. Few Norris Norris candidacies, few Norris Yeah, Nothing too much. Yeah, Stanley Cup under my belt. Yeah, it was nothing too special. So, I played for my local house team. I wasn't extremely good but i remember um i was a defenseman i wasn't i definitely was not a point producer i think i had literally 
one goal over what nine years of skating of like playing so i remember that goal extremely well i'm at an away rank we're facing the stallions i don't remember who um like what what town they were in but i remember the team name was the stallions i'm in front of the away bench uh puck comes to me run a power play puck comes to me um cross eyes from the left point defenseman uh i take a wrister from the point kind of just aiming it towards the net hoping for, you know, this redirection. I remember it goes off one of the opponent's skates and, like, right past the goalie. I remember the only thing – I remember I was so shocked it went in. Literally, the only thing I do is, like, throw my hands up in the air. No selly, no nothing. <laughs> I was just so happy that I had hey, scored some, Sometimes goal. the best sellies are no sellies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Look at Kirby Doc's first goal in the NHL. Yeah. Literally bounced off his leg. He completely missed the puck. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. But just talking about the Kirby Doc goal real quick. Uh, if, um, if that, he was in the right position at the right time. So if that had hit yep. a stick, that was still going in. Oh, of course. Of course. I'm just saying, perfect I'm position. just saying that it just bounced. Oh yeah. Like, I know. The first I'm goal, your similar. first goals are never going to be the most perfect ones. Like you're not going to, no. you're not always, you're, you're unless you're Austin your, Matthews. I was, yeah, exactly. you, just, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was four right goals in a game. That. That's a hell of a starting game. Ryan mm-hmm. Bowling, three goals in a game. What happened to that man? He just did He hasn't developed yet. Yeah, he, he, mm-hmm. he had he had his like uh, this similar to Quinn Hughes last season at the end of last season. He had his little debut at the beginning. Quinn McCarr. Hughes was ready, but uh, Ryan Ryan Voling needs a little more time to yeah. develop. He's like twenty twenty one too, so he still has. He he will be good. Mm-hmm. I do, He'll be a solid top six. Will be good. He'll be a top six guy. Rafi, you didn't play hockey growing up. Your dad was a Boston Bruins fan. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so. I mean, my dad wasn't really the big one, big person that, like, got me into hockey. I remember back in elementary school, actually, in second grade, like, all these kids, like, this was leading up to the Hawks for Stanley Cup. Everyone was talking about the Hawks. And I was like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. They're like, hockey, hockey, because these are all, like, a bunch of hockey guys. I'm like, because I was literally, I, I was friends with everyone, because when you're in primary school, you're literally friends with everyone. Um or maybe I'm just that popular. I don't know. <laughs> don't let it go to your head, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Regardless, um, it was just they got me into it, and I started watching games. And my dad was a big hockey fan too, so that that definitely did help. And I'll never forget because I moved the summer of second grade, entering third grade from Glenview to Northbrook, which is like I literally moved like 15 minutes away, um, but. I remember my first memory at this house that I'm currently doing this podcast at was right on to the right of my TV with my dad watching game seven of the Stanley Cup finals or game six of the 2010 Stanley Cup finals and watching Kane score. I'm convinced that I saw that happen live. I may have seen it the day after. I'm not really sure, but because it's been, it's been a while, but I do remember being so happy after that goal, and since then, Patrick Kane's been my favorite player, obviously. I've had, like, four or five Patrick Kane jerseys. Um, but that was definitely, like, the main thing that got me into hockey. And I was like, this is so cool. And although I couldn't, be a, I couldn't play hockey, because hockey is a very expensive sport. But I'll, ta- I'll take this podcast with you guys as a runner-up to that. So it was, it's definitely the main reason why I got into hockey. And then I met a lot of new friends from hockey. Um, I met a few guys, started a podcast with them. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys know them, but pretty cool dudes. I've never heard of them. 
I want to point out, Logan, before we get into your memory, that we are yeah. extremely lucky in the fact that we have lived, we were basically like just starting to you know, like remember things when in like 2008 or nine, and that's when the Hawks were like starting to get good, right? And we were alive for the They three were coming cups out of the dark ages, yep. thank God. Exactly. <laughs> Hawks so had three we... cups. The Bruins had two cup finals appearances, one cup. The Cubs won a World Series. Yeah. We have been extremely awesome. luckily, lucky uh, for Falcons Chicago sports. Falcons 28-3 lead. Oh, yeah. oh Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still a sore spot. But, yeah, um, yeah we, we really entered a really good prime. If we're talking about just Chicago sports, we just entered probably the greatest prime. It's like, it's like a teenager during the Jordan era, during the Jordan Bulls in the 90s. Yeah. Like, if we were... Like, let's say, like, 13 years old or 10 to 13 years old during the Jordan era. Heck, by the 2000s, we'd be trying to produce, like, an NBA podcast. Like, it would yep. just be that. Like, we'd be such huge basketball fans. So, yep. we, got, we got lucky. We got very lucky, and I'm very happy that we did get lucky with that. It kind Logan's... of stinks. It's, it's weird. Before we go on to Logan, though, it's just weird now that We've had that – all of our memories are so successful, and now we're in this period of time where yeah. the Cubs are slowly falling off. The Bears can't make it out of the first round of the playoffs. The Bulls are coming back the, soon, though. The Bulls the are Bulls getting – going to be back soon. The Bulls and Hawks seem to be coming back soon and picking it up. So it's just weird to see Chicago sports kind of fall off yep. when all you remember is the success. But And the White Sox are still irrelevant. Actually, they, they were – before the shutdown, they were – I don't think you can change my mind on this. They were going to be in wild card contention this I year. I think so the too. They they were going to be close. They were going to be okay. close. But wild it's card, like the Hawks. It's like the wild Hawks card, this year. Like they were close, like, but they weren't like Yeah. Wild card after not, being not good for like how many years? No one That's really. an accomplishment. Yeah. Okay. They have that they appearance had their, is a postseason appearance. They had their 05 World Series. Yeah. yeah. That was about it. Logan, I know that you also played hockey. You were so, a little bit better yeah. than I was. Ah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, that that's a categoric <laughs> fact. Um, Be Wayne Gretzky's goal record, no big deal. <laughs> not a big deal at all. So, I kind of grew up around hockey when I was two. My grandfather, so my grandfather had season tickets from like 2004 up until after the 2010 season. After the Cup, he had to sell them off. Uh, we still got plenty of games after that. I went to a couple a year, uh, but I grew up basically around hockey. Um, my grandfather was a huge hockey fan. He he lived in Chicago his entire life. He vividly remembers going to the old Chicago stadiums when tickets were a dollar. Uh, you know, tickets were a dollar, hot dogs were fifty cents, and beer was twenty five cents. Uh, him and his brother would go in standing room and watch the, uh, you know, when when the Blackhawks uh, at the old stadium when it was Bobby Hall and Stan Mikita, all those guys, Keith Magnuson. Uh, Ed Balfour, Esposito, everybody, Esposito, uh, the Blackhawks in there. Uh, I, I guess when the greatest Blackhawks of all time uh, played. But, you know, I grew up listening to those stories. I grew up going down to the United Center pretty often with my family because my grandfather had season tickets. So I loved, I grew, I grew to love the game there. I started playing. I so fun, fun story. So the, Local youth organization, the Northbrook team, uh, the Northbrook Blue Hawks. When I started playing, you couldn't play trap, you couldn't play hockey for the NBHL, the Northbrook Hockey League, uh, until you took a full year of figure skating. 
Yep, it's true. So I took a full season, a full hockey season of figure skating. At, at the same time, I got uh, I got lessons on you know how to use a stick and whatnot, so that next year I could play house league for a couple of years. And my last year of U eight hockey, uh, when I was eight, turning nine, I um or seven turning eight, I forget. Uh, I played travel. And I played travel ever since. I wasn't the best player, but it I just loved playing. Like I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you why I did. Like it's just there's something really awesome about playing hockey that I I couldn't really find with any other sport. And I stuck with it and now I'm here on this podcast. It, it it's an awesome sport. It really is awesome. Yeah. I can't I can't really, you know I, I think like outside of playing actually no, I do have a good memory. We were at a tournament and uh, this was when, like, you know, the, I think the tournament, we went to, is it Lake Geneva? Not Lake Geneva. Uh, somewhere in Michigan. I think we were in Detroit. I had scored two goals in a game. And it, it was just, like, an awesome moment. Like, I got the tying goal. I got the go-ahead. Uh, or I got the go-ahead, and I got the goal Insur- that made it 5-2 to two as well. Insurance. It was really awesome. Yeah. But... Yeah, just, just everyone kind of rallying around me and my grandfather saying, all right, you got two goals and getting the team pizza <laughs> and getting getting back to the hotel with, with uh, some hot steaming pizza. Needless to say, that, that that might be my favorite memory from when I played. Hands down. Yeah. Were you, a, you were a forward, correct? I was a – so, okay. I think – if I had re- if I had the opportunity to go back in time and restart playing, I think I'd stick playing defense. I genuinely think I would. I I I loved playing forward, and I was a. I'd like to think I, I had pretty good vision of the ice. Like I was, I never really like exceed. I I was always on the bottom team for travel. I was always on like the third team for travel. But I got significant minutes. I like you know I saw the ice pretty well uh, at each stage of the game. But I had to play defense for a season. Just because, like, I, I, so this was my U, these were my U12 years. I had, it was either U12 going into U14 or both of my U12 years. I had the same coach um, two years in a row. Tom and Tony know if those guys ring a bell. Um, mm-hmm. And because I knew how they, like, you know, liked to play, I knew how they wanted the, you know, game to be controlled. I had to be put back on defense a fair amount of times. And I, I loved playing defense. Like, I, I, I'm, an, I, I'm, an, I'm an, like an offensive defenseman. If I, if I play defense, I push the puck up a little bit more. So Dustin but, Bufflin. I, you know, Dustin Bufflin, Dougie Hamilton type defenseman. But I loved playing defense. Like, looking back on it, I, I would enjoy playing defense a lot more than I played offense. But I was mainly a forward, yeah. You know. Yeah, I think the um, one of the best memories I've had, probably one of the most dangerous I've had playing hockey or uh, not playing, watching hockey was like Rocky said, the 2010 game six in Philadelphia overtime winner that Kane had. We slid it right underneath the goalie's bed. I remember they took a look at that goal for literally what felt like hours and it was clearly in. Right. And I remember I don't know why I remember this, but I remember it was like way past my bedtime at like probably 10, 11 o'clock at that point. It was way past mm-hmm. my bedtime. My dad didn't care. My mom didn't care. We had a couple of friends over. We were watching it. I remember being like so excited. I'm like jumping up and down on, on top of the couch. I almost fell off, which was probably not smart. Um, 
but I remember like being so excited. I was so confused when Kane after he shoot after he shoots, he goes around the net and just like starts celebrating. I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on? I, I, that, I didn't go in, did it? And like just seeing the reaction of Kane going down the ice, like he knew it went in. Like afterwards was incredible. Like he was the only player in that entire building who knew it went in. And seeing seeing his reaction, the the whole team's like, okay, I guess it went in. Okay, cool. I really don't like watching the re like I've seen the replay over and over again from the booth camera that the uh that was taken at the time. You really couldn't tell where the puck went. No. And I'm very shocked that the ref couldn't even see it. Like if Kane saw it like go past and into the net, how could the ref not see it? He was behind, he was right where the puck, you know, in that general direction where the puck was going. I'm very shocked that it took that long to figure out that it was an actual. Thank game. gosh they have those cameras there too, because otherwise, yeah. otherwise it would have been the Calgary Flames, Tampa Bay Lightning game six scenario. Oh dear! When the Calgary Flames got absolutely robbed of scoring a goal, and then they went on to lose the Stanley Cup and continued the Canada drought for not winning oh, a cup. 2004, right? Yeah, 2004, mm-hmm. and then 2006 was Edmonton losing, and then one of my other early hockey moments was Vancouver back in 2011 losing to Boston because that was like my first year as like a full-time like hockey fan and watching the Bruins get blown out by the watching the Bruins blow out Vancouver rather in game three of the 2011 Stanley Cup finals was probably one of my greater moments especially after the Blackhawks got eliminated eliminated them and eliminated by them pardon me in seven games in the first round so Mm -hmm. it was nice revenge and my dad still says this to this day that if it wasn't for Aaron Rome absolutely like knocking out Nathan Horton, which was a terrible injury, really bad, but if it wasn't for that injury, the Bruins wouldn't have won the Cup because the Vancouver Canucks were just playing at a whole other level. But after that, the Bruins won 8-2, and they won the next game, then game six, game seven, you, you know the... You know what happened. Bruins was a cup. Then the the Roberto Luongo Canucks rioted. Yep, because mm-hmm. Roberto Luongo couldn't save a beach ball in game seven. I mean, they once the Bruins scored the shorthanded goal, it was, it was basically like it's over. Like you, you guys know those goals that when they happen, yeah. you're, there's no way you come back from it. It was like, oh. for example, like last year with the Blues and Bruins. Once the Blues scored that goal with like 20 seconds left in the first. I, I already knew it was, it was over. Like, Momentum, like, big mo. I was like, "There's yeah. no, there's no way the Bruins pull this off," and that started my depression of that night. I'm okay yep. now, though. Oh but, yeah, obviously. But that night was not fun. It was hard being a Hawks fan in 2011, 2012 for sure. Like losing to the Coyotes in the first round, losing to Vancouver in the first round. Yikes. Then you had 2014 with the Kings. It's not all oh, glam and glory. It's not all glam and glory for the Hawks in the first five years. Yes, we had three cups, but. I'm still I, I firmly believe if we the should. The Hawks have... had gone on to beat LA in 2014. They would Wait, definitely one. would have. I completely agree. They yep. would have. They would yep. have repeated. Yep, but that's that's like Michael Jordan at the end of the last dance saying, "If we, if I was able to retain everyone and went on about how we would have, we would have had seven championships." You see, I don't think you can compare. Like, real quick, I don't think you can compare Jim Krause totally mi- like demantling the entirety of the team in order to save the the organization some money. Uh, I mean, a, like you can, but at the same time, like it's two totally different scenarios because the the LA Kings just out endurance us. They outlasted the Blackhawks. No, they wasn't didn't. That, they, got, they got lucky. Wasn't that the they post? got lucky? Right? Wasn't no. that the post? Uh, or wasn't the post who guy was that hit it? the crossbar? Okay, but who, who was it that was in front of the net? Uh, Seabrook, I believe. 
I think it was Seabrook. Seabrook. No, it, was, I think, um, it was Keith. It was off one I'm of like them. Almost 100% sure it was Keith. It was off one of our defensemen. Yeah. But for the record, to defend Jerry Krause, Michael Jordan was 34. And you can make the argument, yes, Michael Jordan was amazing that season. But still, he was 34, so... Yeah. Okay, Yomir Yager is like 40-something. He's still playing fine. Okay, but Yomir Yager is like <laughs> yeah, the that's age also of the one. Czech League. Yeah, so okay, that fair. he owns. That he owns. He signed himself <laughs> to a contract there. So I'm sure if Michael oh, Jordan could still play for the Hornets, he would have signed himself to a deal. Just, just Yager things. Yager, Yager should come back for 10 NHL games just when he's like 50 just to beat the uh, oldest player of all time record. Oh, yeah. Gordie Howe has that, right? Yeah. I believe so. Mm-hmm. Or Alex Obachkin will, yeah. will make it there. We'll see. Maybe. Anyways, that is about all the time we do have for uh, today's episode of the podcast. Just a couple uh, things to get out of the way. I, Logan Rosengard, have uh, officially been not signed. Like, I haven't signed anywhere. I'm not playing anywhere. But I am going to be writing. I am a contributor to the last word on sports uh, hockey website, the last word on hockey. So go ahead, tune in there. I will be writing blogs for them. And there is going to be an announcement, speaking of uh, websites, sports websites, coming up soon on our show and across our social media blasts. So keep your eyes peeled for a big announcement coming up this week. Once again, for the Puck Talk Live podcast, I'm Logan Rosengren. Thank you guys for tuning in. Rafi, why don't you plug your Twitter handle real quick? Yeah, Rafi S8819, I believe. Foster, why don't you plug your handles? Noah underscore Foster 18. Message us with any questions, comments, debate topics, show topics you'd like to see. Anything and everything is appreciated. We have nothing to do. We're running out hey. of stuff. We really need yeah. your help. Please help <laughs> us. We need, we need Hit research. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at LJ Rosengard and the Instagram page for the show at Puck Talk Live. Hit us up. Give us suggestions, people to interview, anything. Once again, I'm Logan Rosengard. Thank you for tuning into this edition of the pod, and we will see you.